You and I were having a debate right before we started. You ready to settle yeah. this? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, you're damn right I'm ready to settle this. Which one of us I does? Was, feel free to let us know on Twitter which one of us does the better helicopter. It's definitely my helicopter. You're like saying just Guys, W. Who, who does the better, better helicopter sound? Listen to these two things. Listen. Listen to, listen to Tartar's weak-ass helicopter. You got to imagine it flying overhead. What is it? Did your engine it's die? It's Did your engine die? It's, run, it's running out of gas. Listen to this badass. That's a helicopter flying over your head. He's just saying WW really fast. I'm not fast. saying W. I mean, there's no W's in. Yeah. See, he's pointing at mine and saying. It's, Are you an auctioneer? <laughs> yeah, that's what you sound like. Yeah. All right. So it's settled. I, mine's better. That we, they both sucked. Bouncy oh, oh, screw you! <laughs> Whatever. You do the best, Mickey. We don't. We don't need those guys. Uh, yeah, screw you guys. Yeah. You both suck. Welcome. Anybody that's never listened to this is like, <laughs> the hell. There's a reason that the title of this is the best podcast in Iowa. That's either. why. This that's is, why. This, this is it. Best sound effect competition. You never know what you're gonna get. You know, hundred percent. I did want to talk, Ross, by the way, if you'll allow me. Uh, I, well, no, I have a question for you to kick this off. So for those that don't know, uh, I happen to own a real estate company. Ross happens to work at this real estate company. Charterhouse Real Estate, we uh, don't, trendsetter. We don't spend a ton of time talking about real estate on here. We hope that people like us and will use us. But I did want to talk a little bit about real estate just because it's relevant for a lot of reasons. But I also wanted to tell people... Uh, Another way to save some money other than using us, because we do talk about that a lot. That's the lending side of things, which I'll get to. But I did uh, want to ask you, I thought of this question. You have, uh, how long have you been doing it now? Two years? Uh, Less I'm, than two? I'll be coming up. Oh, yeah, this, I'm, I have to renew my license this year, yes. which means this is my third calendar year. Yes, you do, Ross Arthur. Got my. I know uh, it because uh, everyone's a middle name's on their license for some Right, reason. right. So I got my license in. Man, what it, when the, when I'm able to tell this story down the road, this will sound really great. I got my license in April of 2020. There you go. I mean, like right in the middle time. of lockdown, I I was like, hey, launch a new career. How did you even do it during that? Because um, wasn't that like stay home, don't so leave? So my it was really difficult, man, because my classes I had just gotten out of the way in March. Like February, March. Because it was mid-March when the excrement hit the fan, right? Yeah. Because mid-March, and the reason I think that is because that's when basketball tournaments started to be like, wait, we're canceling this thing when teams were already there? That's really when COVID started to where we're like, oh, wait, this sucks. Do I have that timing right? Mid-March? Yeah, it was mid-March. Uh, we're going to talk about a documentary that's out that's, uh, that everybody should watch uh, in a little bit that, that goes through all of this timing stuff with COVID, but... It was about that time. So my classes, like the last day of my classes was a day where it was kind of questionable whether or not we were actually going to do it in 
I mean, there wasn't even, we hadn't even thought about virtual yet, but it was like, how are we yeah. going to finish this thing? If we're not supposed to be around each other, but we did it. Um, taking my test, I remember was a bit strange because everything was in lockdown by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then my background check took forever, which I thought I was like, well, they know about me. When I, I mean, the FBI was uh, busy solving yeah. COVID. Right, right. That yeah, time. exactly. And, but it was just taking a long time for my background check and some other things to get processed. Um, everything getting, uh, getting my notary stamp was more difficult for me because of the timing that of dropping off all of my stuff. So Ross is a notary, by the way, if you need any yeah, you got documents, documents no, I docs. this is why Ross and I are the greatest people ever. I've had many people over the years ask me to notarize something and they say, what do you charge for that? And my answer is, uh, that's free. My friend, I will, if you need something notarized, I'm sure Ross would also jump on that free bandwagon and throw a stamp on a piece of paper for you. I'd help you out. You know, if you have an ID. There's some people that charge 75 bucks for that. I'm going to watch me do this. Yeah, that was 75 bucks. You know, for a while, it was a thing. First of all, you had to recoup. The, it used to have a cost, and it still is. It's like, what, 45 bucks to de- become a notary? It is not much. It's not much. And then to buy your stamp or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's not much. It, it, so The investment is slight. There might be people that are like, well, I need to recoup that cost. Or what, I don't know. I think you can just use, go to a bank, call a realtor. If you need something notarized, yeah, yeah call there's, us. There's a lot of options. All right, so here's my question. Right. What, in the in the two years that you've done this, yeah. what is the thing or a couple things that are the biggest surprise to you in terms of you knew realtors for 20 years before you became one? Yep. Talked to them, thought of them, used them, whatever. What is the biggest difference between actually doing this and understanding what we do and what the public perception is of what agents do? Um, that's, a, that's a good question, Mark. Uh, it's a hard question to answer because I've, and I'm not, I feel like I've kind of always had a respect for what it was that went into this. Um, it is a lot more work and a lot more hustle than than it looks, but I think there's a reason for that. And I think the reason for that is the type of people that are, are drawn into this. Okay. Um, the people that are good at this, if you know a really good realtor, you probably think to yourself, man, they, they make a lot of money and don't do a lot. They make it look easy in any profession. The good ones do that. Keith Murphy, go watch Keith Murphy do a radio show and you will sit there and think I could do that. I want, I want to do that. He's good at that, but I can do that. You might be able to do it once or twice. You're not going to be able to do it every day for 15 years. So you're not. It, yeah. It's really, really, really hard. Now, I'm not saying that I'm in some special group for doing that. I'm lucky that I've had the, the opportunity to do it, and I can talk. Yeah. Um, but the point is, like, you, when, once you're – the amount of work that goes into it. Every day, I'm here by 8.15 or 8.30, and I'm trying to churn through as much stuff as I possibly can – um, I'm helping as many people as I can. I'm driving around like crazy. The amount of driving I do would probably be the one thing that I didn't mm-hmm. assume. We're uh, working on that, by correctly. the way. Yeah, I know. And it's, I were, and I've got, you, you luckily, probably do some unnecessary driving. If I'm being I honest do, with you, I do. And I, because I do too much handholding, I do. am a, I'm a people person. I like to be around people. You like, like phone be, calls. You like to talk I on that do. phone. I like to talk to people. I love it. It's yeah. what I, it's what I'm, I like to do best. And it's yeah. what I'm good at. And so I think, to jump into what you said, you're right. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, but it's just, it's putting out small fires. That, so Mark, that would be the one thing I've learned that I think um, that my clients probably don't 
know. And if they do know, one, the ones that do find out about it, they appreciate that the mm-hmm. most. And they'll say, holy cow, I had no idea that you were doing all of this stuff. You were a part of one of those uh, deals where the deal almost fell apart the day before closing. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. And, uh, and it took a lot of face-to-face psychology yeah it took a lot of 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 talking and helping and and all of that to to get that done and in that process we revealed some of the fires that we had been putting out in those previous days and weeks and months Mm -hmm. and in that process the guy gained that appreciation and even said man it's almost exactly that verbiage like i didn't know what you had done to earn your money sure and you yeah you saved me a ton of money and i think in that situation we saved the guy over five grand yep and uh, and he said that's that's awesome, but I didn't understand what it was. And then that ge- that gentleman ended up turning around and giving me a very. I mean, he ended up basically tipping us, which goes to the firm. Yeah. But uh, that was it di- comes to me through the firm. Through the firm. I don't want people to through think the that you're here. There was tip, some added commission. Tip steal thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it was a nice. Uh, yeah, it was a wonderful thing um, that in the process of kind of explaining to him how we had gotten that close to closing and what was going to happen if we fell apart, he kind of understood all the different things that I had done to help out with that deal. And almost every deal, not all, not every deal. Cause some of them are really seamless. Yeah. Some deals, man, you almost forget that you have this, this closing date coming up Yep. because you just don't hear from the other agent. Everything's going great. Your client is wonderful. They don't need a lot of handholding yep. and that's wonderful. That's really good. Those are the ones where, I don't fault anybody, especially in this market, especially if you're listening to this. I, I don't fault anybody for wanting to try to sell their own home, right? If you can get away with absolutely no commission and you know you can do it and you know that your deal is going to be seamless, then I, then I do understand it yeah. for sure. The problems arise when the problems arise. You are hitting one on the head here, man. So <laughs> I have clients that are friends and and... I told them when we got started, the same pitch I give to everybody. This is about saving you money. It's not about me making money, about saving you money. And uh, when we get you into the next house, I have an opportunity to cash in, to get to get a pretty good paycheck out of helping you get into that next house. Mm-hmm. But if you find a house that is listed for sale by owner, and that particular owner does not want to work with agents, and that's why they're, they're selling it that way, because they sure. don't want to work with an agent, I'm not going to stand in your way. And I don't want you to think of me when you are walking into that house, okay? I want you to walk into that house thinking, is this our next home? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what played out with these particular clients that that are, we have a closing date, hopefully coming mm-hmm. up in a week. Yep. Uh, and we are hoping, and it's not necessarily the for sale by owner part of it. It's actually on the, uh, it's actually on the, uh, another side that we're afraid is going to hold us up, but there have been problems that have arisen in that for sale by owner. Yeah. Uh, and not again, of, of nobody's fault. Of just the, things these, these little hurdles and hoops that you've There's got. There's a lot of components to selling yeah. a house, right? So nope. anyway, that's T- I, I, tip time. By the way, if you are somebody that wants to buy a for sale by owner and thinks that you can't have an agent help you, that's not necessarily true not at all. True. I've I've done several. I've I've yeah. helped. Usually, people. what happens is the agent will reach out to that for sale by owner and say, "Are you willing to pay us for the work?" And that's typically three percent. So um, now you can you can. This can become semantics. I've done this 16 years. I'm aware how this works at this point. Technically speaking, the buyer is always paying for real estate commissions. And I say technically because you can make the argument that house prices are higher because agents need to get paid. And that probably is true. 
But when we talk about for sale by owner, if we call a, a FISBO, as we call them, and say, hey, I've got a buyer that wants to look, are you willing to pay me 3%? And that seller says, yes. Well, that 3% is coming off of their proceeds. So it is coming off of their pocket or out of their pocket. So again, a buyer could say, well, I might technically be able to get the house cheaper. Yeah, you can make that argument. You can, but you don't get the guidance and the help and all of that. So the point's not to pitch agents here. It's just to tell you, uh, I think some people think they have to go that alone yeah, all no. the time. If you've got an agent you want to use, you can certainly at least consider it. All right, enough real estate. Okay, so speaking of real estate, I want to hop oh, over crap. to one other topic. Okay. okay. And this is designed to save people money. Okay. The lending side of things. Okay. I think the lending side is often misunderstood. And I wanted to take a minute or two to chat about this. You and I both know a lot of different lenders. And even within the world of lending, by the way, you can have uh, a lot of different titles. You can be a mortgage broker. You could just be called a loan officer. Um, and there's variations of that. So to, to give an example, there's some people that work for companies, but the way they get paid is what's called an origination fee. Okay, origination fee is typically 1% of the price of the house. So $200,000 house, origination fee is going to be two grand. And that is how your lender will get paid. Not across the board, not all the time, but in general, that's one of the ways they get paid is that origination. So when you see origination fee, you think that's how my lender is getting their money. We know other people. Give a shout out for Joe. Good friend Joe works at uh, Community Choice Credit Union. Hey, ho. Joe doesn't work for the, the origination. Joe is more, he does make commission, but it's more salary-based, et cetera. It's a different pay structure, okay? So I'll give a recent example, Joe versus Lender X. I won't mention Lender X because I don't like him right now. So they're competing for the same buyer, okay? So now we're talking about same rate, roughly speaking. Okay, I won't say identical, but probably identical. Okay, same rate. They're both able to close in the same amount of time. The extra closing costs, which are things like you have to pay for your appraisal and flood cert certification, things like that. Those are going to be very, very similar things. Okay. Lender X is going to be charging roughly $2,400 more than Joe for the same loan. Okay. Now Lender X will come back and say, well, our process is great and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll close on time. Great. Those things are true. Joe does the same thing, okay? So my point to everybody listening is, one, definitely shop more than one lender. You do want to get the best possible rate, for sure, because you're stuck with that rate for a, a long period of time. But two, also shop the, the fees. What else is on top of that rate? Some people have a really low rate, but super high fees. Some people have a great rate and great fees. Some people have a great rate, but, or whatever, whatever was left on my list there of options. So, and especially, here's what I've always thought about the, you know, imagine you're buying a house for a second. How important is the, is the, uh, the process of buying that house with your agent, Ross? In most cases, maybe not in this market where we show one house at a time, but think about the time when you're going to show seven, eight, nine, ten houses to a buyer on a weekend. That means you're literally spending time with that agent. You're in their car or you're following them to houses. They're getting you into each house. You're asking their opinion on each house. Um, they're doing research. They're writing offers for you, et cetera. That process is important, right? Because it's a lot of handholding. It's a lot of face-to-face -face activity, et cetera. When a lender says, well, you're paying for the process, 
in my opinion, it's a little bit BS. Okay. There's a very good chance you never will see the lender. Right. If you do, maybe it's once. And That's from there, good. it's underwriting. Okay. It's not this face to face many times, multiple times at the walkthrough, like it is for an agent, et cetera. So when somebody says, well, we cost a lot more because our process is that much better in the lending world, I'm talking about, frankly, in my opinion, it's a bunch of BS. There's a ton of great lenders out there that are charging much less than other lenders that are still getting you closed on time and giving you a great rate. So Ross, did anything I say sound untrue to you right there? No. Do you feel like a lot of people are spending extra money that they don't need to when it comes to lenders? I I, I thought that for a long time. I mean, from the minute I got into this, I noticed that that was, uh, again, it's a lot like the commissions that we talk about. And this is boring as hell for everybody listening. So, you know that, but the it's, there's a lot of fixed costs in here. So the idea that you can go from one shop to another shop and, and the cost, the, your cost as the consumer very greatly, that's always been something that's can been confusing to me because, yep. you know, as a, as a poor guy living in a, in a, a, a capitalist world, man, I was always penny pinching and I was always shopping things against each other. And I was always aware when I could get the exact same product for a lesser price. And then what that meant, why is Walmart cheaper? Well, there's other things that come into that. Sure. And I would rather do locally owned and locally operated and you do your homework and you end up with a place like Charterhouse. You end up with a place like yeah. Community Choice. Something like and that. the Walmart, so, I don't care. But yeah, like, it's, come on, it's boring stuff. I don't boring care. People. By the way, if people want to call us Walmart, I'm okay with that. No, we're not. We're I'm not just saying Walmart. we are local. We're, we're locally we, owned no, not, we're locally yeah. owned, but Walmart on pricing. Meaning, if I want to go get a box of hot tamales today, and I go to Walmart to get my theater sized hot tamale yeah. candy, it's going to cost me a dollar twenty nine. Yeah. If I go to the local mom and pop, it's a lot more money. But there's also some give and take. But with pricing, hey, call us Walmart if you want to, because we will save you thousands of bucks. Any fun stuff you wanted to talk about today? No. Jeez, just helicopter noises. <laughs> Is it really that bad? I mean, you're my friend. It's pretty bad. It's a pretty bad helicopter. Maybe you're just thinking of it like on the ground. This is like way up in the air. No, I heard, I heard, I, I know what a helicopter does. I know where a helicopter flies. Here's a question for you about helicopters, by the way. How does this work? Okay, helicopters fly pretty damn high in the sky. We can agree with that. Okay. I mean, if they're doing it right. Okay, if they're doing it right. Sunday morning, two weeks ago. We're laying in bed. It's fairly early in the morning, and you can hear them approaching from the distance. I think it was maybe three of them, probably doing some military training. Yep. Okay? But they're not, like, at 50 feet above my house. I mean, mm-hmm. they're pretty high up. And as they pass over the house, it's, like, it's vibrating the house. Mm-hmm. That How amazing? the hell is that even possible? So, all right, I think there's a couple things to talk about with helicopters. My dad, uh, I learned a lot of this after, uh, remember when the raid of Osama bin Laden when we actually killed him, one of those Blackhawks that went into that compound went crashed. Down. Yeah, yeah. And they got everybody out anyway. Yeah. Um, my, I saw my dad had did a couple tours in Vietnam, and a part of his, one of his tours, he was in a helicopter. And so he knows a little bit about him. He knew as much as anybody I know. He's been on one. Yeah, I've been never been on, on one. one. He knows right. more than me. He spent some time in one. Okay. So I called him to kind of have him run through some of what, how, you know, why that works and how that works. But yeah. so there is this amazing amount of downforce that is brought out by a, a, a Keeping it in the air. Keeping it in the air, right? Yeah. So I, but what I think is happening, because like what you're describing, it's far enough above you that I don't think it's that 
downforce. Yeah. Cause it, and it's not, it doesn't have to go directly over your house for your house to do that yeah. vibrate thing. Yep. Nate Lee's here. Bringing in checks. Right. Like he does every day. Does he come in? Do you bring your checks every day? It seems like it. Gonna sell, looks gonna, like he looks like sell, he saves someone else some money. He's going to sell 265 houses in a year. He's trying day. hard to beat me. He might this year. He's doing well. Keep it. Keep, keep gonna, it up. I'm going to I'm going to join the Nate Lee real estate team and then we'll together we'll get him Nate, okay? Maybe. Maybe. Not your, not probably not. Yeah. I'm ro- I'm rooting <laughs> for you guys. I'm rooting. All right. So my point about helicopters is they make no sense. So, to me. Here's what I think is happening it. with your house vibrating. I think that's just the sheer noise that they're generating. Yeah, that vibrates because it's it's not a consistent noise like a when a plane flies over you get that. Yeah, this is more like. Yeah, when you know it goes. I can't even do mine anymore. Yours sounds like cunnilingus. Mine sounds like a helicopter. Yeah, that was definitely definitely not it, dude. Nate Lee's been in a helicopter. He can come tell us. He's probably. Nah, I was gonna so say he's probably flown one, but the, I don't think that's true. Yeah, uh, that's a special talent too, man. Yeah. Um, I think it's the noise. I think it is those sound waves hitting the house and yeah. that and that. That's in a that, pretty powerful sound wave. It is, man. Yeah, yeah. To rattle the house. Yeah. Ah, dude. Have you been to my house? Well constructed, Ross. It is a well constructed. We're not talking about your house here. <laughs> which would, which which actually, when the helicopter comes, over, my house actually goes further down into the ground. By the way, update for those that have listened before. Uh, well, a couple updates. Here's one about your house. Uh, you still haven't invited me over. No. Will you ever? Probably not. Doesn't that make you sad? It does. You know, yeah. Are we does. are we friends? We are. You're one of my best friends. Do I judge you? Do I do I make no. you feel bad? No, no. None of my friends do. And and yet you think I'm going to like no, come over and like no. oh I should just take shit here in the living room. <laughs> this is this is where this goes. Looking around, I can tell it goes right here, dude. That's that's what it seems like you think I'm gonna do. Oh my god! If I come to your house, dude. No, not at all. So you have real plumbing. I. Have running water. We have walls. Okay. And everything. It's you, great. You've been to my house many times, Ross. Many great times. Place. Many times. You're welcome to come over. Yeah, I know. I, so, Mark, here is the my and it. And it's not about judgment. You got to hear me out here because when I say a few of these lines, you're going to be like, "I don't care. I don't matter. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter." Yeah. My house is tiny, and we have two kids, two dogs, and two adults. Mm-hmm. There is no room for visitors. You do make it sound like uh, Bilbo Baggins' house. No, and I have like one of the bigger houses on my block. I yeah. do now. And and for for some perspective, my next door neighbor's house is like six hundred square feet. It's a one bedroom house. Yeah. Uh, so I don't live in a neighborhood with a lot of big houses, but it's one of the bigger houses. In fact. Live in a quadrant. Live in a, live in a corner. Yeah, I'm the third biggest house on the corner, but we're the four, the fourth like big family homes in the neighborhood. So older house, but I don't. It's just. Does anybody ever come over to your house? Very, very rarely, and it's not has not always been the case. Mark used to be that we used to have parties at our yeah. house. We'd have, in fact, my wife in like 2020 when things we'd been locked down for a while, and her and all of her nursing friends were. Really cooped up. We had a, like a little party for her friends at yeah. our house. Um, so it's not that. It just is. It, it we're very busy. We ha- like everybody. We've got two kids. My wife works on the weekends and then she works overnights. So 
it's just really difficult for us to find time to invite people over to do the entertaining thing the right way to, you know, have dinner and, and the dogs are a freaking nuisance. And it just is. So you, it's all of those things. It's has, it's certainly nothing personal because I bet Travis justice has been to your house. He was over there for the nurse's party. Yeah. 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 Uh, This is the only time he's ever been to the house. He thought my house was on fire because one of Aaron's friends was vaping. It was one of my favorite moments. It's that we're, small. We're like sitting. No, no, no. It's not that it's that small. We were. I we, thought the vape smoke was uh, filling the house. We had to be in the living. We all happened to be in the living room, and uh, uh, one of Aaron's friends was standing kind of by the television and hit her vape and blew it out. Well, Travis couldn't necessarily see her do that. He just saw this great big pillow of okay. smoke yeah. come out from behind. He's like, oh, "Your house is on fire! Your house is on fire!" I'm like, "What the <laughs> no, fire?" Oh, man, that would have been a fun party. When you say nurses party and Travis Justice, that sounds like a good time. We walked. It was one of those moments where you walk into a room and you know you've just missed something. Mm -hmm. Like the the energy in the room is weird. It's weird. And you know it. And it's whether everybody's giving shifty eyes to each other or everybody's kind of coming down from a laugh. There's something about that energy. You walk into this room and you go, mm, something, yeah. something weird just happened. And then everybody's like, no, nothing. And then you know. You're like, oh, something you, definitely you happened joke. here. Too late. So that was what happened. Travis uh, and I got done with the sound off that night. Um, normally, Travis would drive me home and drop me off. But I told him, hey, come inside and hang out for just a little bit. Aaron's got some friends over. I don't know half of these girls. I've never met them. So, yeah. you know, come inside and hang out with me. So I don't I, – I sometimes in those situations, you walk in – and you're by yourself, and now you f- you feel like you've ruined the party, so I just would leave the room yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, like, if Travis walks in with me, at least I'll feel like I've got a buddy there. We can sure. go watch TV or something if we need to. And it was that exact moment. We walked in the door and went, whoa, something just happened here. Yeah. But it was like, no, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh-huh. And it's like 9, <laughs> nine 10, yeah, 40, 30 to 45-year-old women. Like, what is going on? And Aaron's like, oh, nothing. And Aaron's giving me the look like, I'll tell you later. Yeah. Stop asking. And yeah. You're making this weird. Yep. So Travis and I sat down, and we just kind of moved along with the night. Well, then, it, and it was not like a fun, wild party. Don't think it was, you know, nurses in high, white stockings, yeah. you know, prancing around. Yeah. Nothing like that. That's what I was thinking. So I, I would have been on I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Ima- imagine 40-year-old moms in blue jeans and sweaters. It's not, as, not as cool. Yeah, sweatshirts. Not as cool. Not sweaters. I always screw that up. Okay. So... Um, and, and most of the women are pretty drunk by that point. And so we just kind of have some conversation. Night winds down. Husbands start coming, picking up their, their, their wives. All right, see you guys later. And everybody leaves. And I'm like, all right, what, what the hell was going on when we walked in? And Travis was only there 15, 20 minutes and left too. Uh, right before we had walked in the door, one of the women who was really drunk had her tits out. Had her shirt off and her bra off, from the way I understand it, and was like, "See now, getting, this, this is like that's the nurse what you were party that I, that's what you were, I said invagining, and I meant to say when you say when wow. you say nurse party, I think topless women in a living room. That's what I think. Well, and I, so nurses and are known I was for like, this. What? She's like, yeah, yeah. It's like this was, yeah. One of the ladies was pretty right. drunk, we and need, we need some context. I I guess uh, to the the context of it was she was really drunk. And said, "Hey, th- let's hey, let's get I, crazy." I, I don't know if you, the rest of the room is nervous, right. but I've got breasts. I've got boobs. Everybody else got boobs. I got boobs. Oh, you don't believe me? Yeah, check it out. You don't believe I got boobs? Here we I'll go. Show you my boobs. Yeah. Was was that? 
just to finish. And apparently, the, they were just like to finish off the yeah, scenario. And, and Aaron, was this was this particular nurse an, an, an attractive nurse? They're all. I'm not, I'm not just saying this. All of them are attractive. Okay. All of Aaron's friends are attractive. Right, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna get on Facebook later. So <laughs> um, anyway, well, okay. All right. Now wait. You you didn't clarify the question. Will you think they're attractive? Oh no. See, like what no. is what does that mean? No, you have a what completely, does that mean? You have a completely different standard than me. How many times have I done this? Where I'm telling a story and I'm like, oh, yeah, and Aaron's got this cute friend. Yeah, or like, I, think when, you, I think you overrate when people. Nate yeah. was, see, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. When Nate because was Because you've said things like, this girl was the most gorgeous girl I've ever seen, and I went to school with her, and then I look at her, and I'm like, eh, she's pretty. No, I, I, I think yeah, the, one, the one that I said was, because I think my, my, my wife is beautiful. I love her. I'm not allowed gorgeous. to talk about your wife, so. Why? Because it's your wife. That's oh, okay. typically frowned upon. So I'm a, my wife is beautiful, but the lady that I used to work with, a lady that I always thought was yeah, just Greek goddess beautiful. Yeah. And, and a great lady, by the way, too. How does she compare it to Terrell, who was just standing behind you? So Terrell works at her office. And we have some... This makes, see, this, it, makes I, it sound creepy, doesn't yeah. it? We have some beautiful women in this office. Like, yeah. So if you're looking for a job... a beautiful segue by the way right right no really we do all of them are every girl that we have here is gorgeous there you go there's your standard charterhouse standard of beauty it's a wonderful thing dude i think all of our wives are beautiful hi t yeah i'm going through our wives she's like we are an attractive group of literally literally, so people understand our office we're in my office right now but my office is glass walls (laughs) so we can see everybody in terrellis Sitting at a table right behind you, but outside my office. Just in all that, I can see myself in KK's black wall. Yeah. And we're talking about how attractive everybody in the office is. And then I see that. And I go, yeah. whoa. Oh, yeah. we know where the bar is, don't we? Huh? <laughs> we sure do. Uh-huh. How about that for you? Hey, the other thing, because uh, that's what we do on the show is switch topics randomly. Uh, what do you think about old uh, Promberger? Yeah, get, back get, at Murray State. You're getting another shot. Good work for him, man. That's fantastic. I actually saw Travis Hines speculate that that could be the case about a week ago. So here is the here's the truth. Um, people just dropping things off in our office randomly. Um, wait, who was that? Oh, was? Oh, yeah. I had a deal fall apart with her. Uh, I won't say who, what agent never, that was, never, but it was never, it was an agent that we're yep, aware of. Yep, never. I've never actually met her, but I had a deal fall apart with her. Huh. Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Uh, no, Promberger. Here's my prediction, right? And I'm going to go 20, 30 years into the future. Okay? So it's going to take a long time, Ross, to prove if I was right or wrong on this. He was at Murray State, very successful from that area. I believe it's Paducah. I don't know if Murray State's in Paducah, Kentucky. I think very close to that. Yeah, right, right. That sounds right. He leaves for the bigger job. Doesn't go well. Two wins. He goes back to Murray State. He'll never leave again. Well. He uh, might get fired. There you go. He might retire. There, there you go. There you go. There you go. You've, re- you, you've, just, you've just clarified exactly what I would have added to that. You're not going to see the, I've, I'm, I'm seeking an, another place. Yep. He is not going to end up at a, uh, let's, I'm trying to think of another. No matter how successful he gets let's there. Say, yeah, right. I completely agree with you. Or, you know, I'm okay. And I he's hate, from I, there. I, I, His I, wife's from there. He's from there. It's the, it's the Otzelberg. It feels like a, a okay. great fit. I'm never going to say never. Never going to say never. I'll give you the 1%. Here's what... I'm going to play out a scenario for you that could happen. Okay. Okay? okay. 
lots of success at Murray State because I, I think he'll be good. He there. probably will be. Yep, he was before, he, and he's recruit shown that he can recruit. His record NBA was like one, guards. like one fifteen and twenty nine or something. I mean, he like got that. this job for a reason, man. He's an impressive coach, and and at that at level, he'll coach there, well. At least there, I got to throw that in because you can't say he was impressive at Iowa State. You just can't. He sucked. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, Mark. Ross, two wins, dude. Two wins. I know. I know. That season sucked. Yes. That season absolutely sucked. I cannot say the guy sucked because when he he won games, won a lot of games, he won uh, NCAA tournament games, he won Big 12 tournaments, Mm -hmm. um, and you don't do that if you suck as a coach. Now you can't. I what I I've come around to this line of thinking because of Prom, because of conversations with you about Prom. Dude, that, that that margin of victory and that margin of error is so freaking small. We talked about Fred Hoiberg. How did Fred Hoiberg go from being a great coach, a great coach, building a program up at Iowa State or or sustaining or whatever, taking it to new heights, whatever you say, to the point where he gets an NBA job, and now the guy sucks. Does the, does the level does the level change though? Because another great example of that in a different sport is someone like Saban. Yes, Mark. Again, what I think it is is that winning is really hard, really, really, really hard. Everybody's trying to win, and when you win, everybody's trying to not only win but they're trying to make you lose. So it's it's a tough, tough, tough business, and things can go bad really quickly, like they did for Steve Prohm, like they are going, like they have been going for Fred Hoiberg, and. So here's the scenario that I think could play out. I and again, I'm like 85 percent with you that Steve Prohm is the next is the coach at Murray State for the next 15, 20 years. When what is he's got to be 50 near near 45, 50 years Late old? 40s probably. Yeah, I'm thinking 15, 20 years. That's yep. what I think that happens. 15 percent chance this happens. He has an incredible run at Murray State. It builds them into a um, a. Well, what Gonzaga did 30 years ago, but now what we've seen Creighton or yeah. Loyola do. you Tournament, 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 final four run. I could see that. I could see him being that good at Murray State where he, it's consistent tournament, consistent tournament, move that program into a new era. And now all of a sudden, Kentucky opens up. Mm-hmm. Steve Prohm is now the hot name in coaching again, and he can win an interview by saying... I learned from my mistakes. Yeah. I know what it takes to win, but more importantly, I know what it what I did to lose. Mm-hmm. And I know how to avoid those things. And I know how to put how to strong So I think that's an there's a chance, that fifteen percent chance. I think he's good there. I think he's really good. I think there's that fifteen percent chance that he's good enough and the timing all falls into place and the right job in the right place, because you nailed it. Like he's not gonna leave there for UCLA. Uh, for, yeah, UCLA was I was trying to think of a Pac twelve school. That's funny. Yeah. Stanford. Yeah. He's not, you know, where oh we we can pay you a lot more money, but yeah. you're gonna have to move your family out of Kentucky again, away from home, yeah. away from your where you're re- pure anecdotal evidence that I heard, but I, I I'd always heard that his wife hated moving away. From Kentucky, hated Ames, hated you know. And she, hey, mean, I'm sure she's guys, listening, and we'll say I loved it. But let's, yeah, I'm sure she's listening. I, yeah. Let's be honest about this, and I hope she is listening when she hears me say this. As a guy who lived here for 44 years, if you did not grow up, everybody loves where they grew up. Number one, everybody thinks where they grew up is one of place. the best places in the world. Number two, yeah, and number three, people hate hearing bad things about the place that they grew up and the place that they love. Yeah, so knowing that. 
we hate to hear anything that isn't, whoa, I was the best. It's the greatest place ever. I love it. The people are so nice. Yeah. Nice people are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wonderful scenery is everywhere. Yeah. You know, I got great. There are great Mexican restaurants <laughs> all over America. Yeah. So if I were from Kentucky, have you ever been through the, the, no. the Blue Ridge Mountains, no, the Smoky Mountains? Dude. Yeah, I would think Ames sucked. <laughs> I would think that Des Moines sucked. We got, what do you have, a river? Your fun thing is a river and yeah. some and some buildings that have insurance companies in them. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, oh, you have restaurants. Ah, neat. Now, yeah. again, I love Des Moines. I've always, and I will always love Des Moines. If I wasn't from here yeah. and... Probably feel different. Yeah, you have cousins, you have relatives that aren't from here. Yeah, when do they do they come to Des Moines and look forward to going to the sculpture garden? Uh, the answer is no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. I have an uncle, by the way, that lives in the mountains in North Carolina and says it's gorgeous. The right Appalachian Trail. That, yeah. I mean, you can go to any town that's along, and it's yeah. You you go to the, you go to those places and you go, wow, this is way different from Ames, Iowa. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I don't know. You probably get jaded, though, too, when you live in a place like that. It's one of the, the, the good things about Iowa is it makes you want a vacation other places, go uh, see the world a little bit. When Aaron and I honeymooned in Jamaica. Yeah, Spider. I remember that. Ah, I love Spider story. Yeah. Uh, someday I'll tell That'll be the best story you've ever heard someday. Oh, I've heard that story. Right? Oh, I know. Yeah. But, the, but not all the listeners have. Spider. Um, when we went there, we were out on the beach. We did all of the, we were on like a, a resort where all all-inclusive deal. We're out doing one of the events, scuba diving, sailing, whatever. It's a gorgeous sunset happening, and I'm like just in this euphoric mood. And I say to the guide, this Jamaican kid, Mm -hmm. man, what is it like to live in paradise? (laughs) And he's with about three of his buddies that are on this catamaran with us or whatever it was that we were doing that day. And they all like look at each other and kind of laugh and and like there's an inside joke coming, right? And the one looks at me and says, uh, aren't you, where are you from? And I said, Iowa. And he's like, middle of the country? And I said, yeah. And they all looked at each other and smiled. And he said, man, you live in paradise. Huh. You have green rolling hills. You have food everywhere around you. Yeah. Yeah, like, you yeah. have good schools. Yeah, and, and like that snap of realization yeah. of well, just we're, turning we're para- the telescope around. We're saying paradise is weather. Basically, it's, you yeah, know, it's the ocean. Well, I mean, I'm in the, the ocean. ocean. I'm watching. But, yeah. But, but the more important than that, Mark, that was there every day. I know, but everyone's had that exact same thought. I've been to Jamaica. I've been yeah. on the catamaran rides. I've had lunch on one of them. Like you watch paradise. flying. Like in Barbados, they have things called flying fish. Just little fish that, you know, hop out of the water and just kind of like float for a little while and then back into the water. They call them flying fish. Um, ate some of those on a boat, whatever. And just catch, I, them, when, I, just catch them when they're in the air flying sure, by. Just yeah, snatch one. Yeah. Absolutely. Bite its wings off. Yep. So, but when you're on one of those trips, you're thinking this dude driving this catamaran and the rest of the crew that's preparing the lunch, that's just their job. Every day they're out here on the water in this beautiful weather and and whatever. And like, what a great job. And like any other job, they're probably like, this job blows, dude. I'm over this job. But it always comes down to perspective. That's what life is. It's all about perspective. You, you, you've nailed it. And the right. people that enjoy life are great at perspective. You know, they don't look at woe is me. They're like, I'm happy I'm alive yeah. today. The, 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 the guy, the person that I used to listen to that helped me the most with perspective is a famous philosopher, Alan Watts. Do you ever listen to Alan Watts? No. You ever heard that name? Man, I, so I, I can listen to this guy. Uh, he's an English professor. 
that you can tons of lectures on YouTube and things like that. And just a, I think a brilliant man, but some people think, you know, charlatan or whatever. Yeah. Like all smart people, other sure. smart people hate him. Yeah. Uh, one of his things was about that, all about perspective. You know, when, when you read a book, you think all the information is on that black ink. Yeah. If it weren't for that white page, the black ink's not going to tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, if you've never felt warmth, you don't know what cold is. Sure. And if you've never been poor, you're not sure yeah. what wealth is. Like yeah. it's, and you, and obviously some of that's not true. You know what I mean? It, 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 but there is a perspective thing. If you were born into a millionaire family and you were always having all yeah. these things for you, poor means something different. It's the sour and sweet perspective. Right, right. You so, don't appreciate the sweet without a little bit of sour. Right. You know, and, and I've told many people that over the years because some friends, et cetera, just like, I need a pep talk. I need whatever. And it's the perspective, right? Like in life, you're going to have problems. That's guaranteed yeah. to happen. How do you handle it? What's your perspective from it? How do you get through it? All of those things are, the, uh, are, are drastically uh, important. Uh, a country that has food has a lot of problems. A country with no food has one problem. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> By the way, that's about to be our problem. Did you see our what, old no friend uh, Joe, Joe Biden? said uh, um, real real food shortages will probably be happening somewhat soon in, in some regards. We're not going to have no food at the grocery stores. But this thing going on with Ukraine and Russia, by the way, a lot of wheat production out of there. So the prediction is some shortages. Step your game up, Kansas. Based on that, yeah, you'd think that we've got a lot of wheat in Kansas. Oh, dude, we have no perspective of scale. Yeah. Mark, how much, uh, first of all, all of that wheat that's being grown in Kansas right now is is sold. Yeah. It's all sold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, then, and, and who knows where it's sold to and where it's going and how much it takes to feed the freaking world. Have you ever seen, uh, like 60 Minutes has done stories like this about how there's certain places that our government has where there's like every seed, as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if Canada has one if, of if, a, if yeah. crops stop growing, they've got the seeds to start it back up, et cetera. Yeah. It's like certain foods you could stockpile, like seeds, wheat. I assume you could probably you know keep around for a while. Some some of that stuff. You ever wonder like how much extra we actually have? You don't hear a lot about it, but I assume the government's I've got so. I, I would hope I love it. somewhat this prepared. Is why, this is why I love talking to you because we and and there's so many things because that we go pop from real up. estate to wheat. because all this stuff pops up. Uh, the docuseries Dirty Money on Netflix. I've seen the title. haven't watched you, it. God, dude. Come on, Mark. Step your game God, up. God, i got to quit step watching The ca- Breakup. Oh, There's yeah, certain movies I just watch every time I'm in How the tub. How you watch The Breakup? Dude, that movie is so... Maybe it's too close to home for me or something. Like... You're you're oh. you're saying exactly what my wife would say. God, she doesn't I say like too them, close to home. I, I, she just doesn't find any joy no, in watching this couple no. fight. And I think it's great. I think it's great. Sadist. Arrested for what, babe? Being awesome? It's a great line. Um, the Dirty Money docuseries has a really fun documentary in it about maple syrup in Canada. Okay. Now, that's something I could live without. It, I like syrup. Uh, but but listen, you you I think you would enjoy this documentary because it talks about a couple of different big themes. One is government. Uh, government overreach into personal lives mm-hmm. and some of these things you're talking about stockpiling maple syrup while you may not like it is damn near a commodity 
are, are damn near a currency in in. I'd Canada. like to correct it the certainly record. Certainly, is a commodity. I do like it. I don't want. I don't want the world out there thinking Mark doesn't like maple syrup. I thought that's what you were implying. No, I just said I could live without it. If you told me from this day forward, there's no more maple syrup. It's gone. Dude, I'd be okay. I'd be okay. You're taking French toast, pancakes, and waffles completely out of play if without syrup. What did I have the other day? I dipped something into something, and it tasted great. Strawberry and a butt crack? No. Uh, what was I eating? Somebody, oh, it was, man, was it honey? I was having something. It was it. What would that have been? Terrell, were you around that oh, for that lunch? Us. No, she wasn't around. Can you hear us? Taylor. Ask Taylor if she uh, was around when I dipped something and it tasted like. Uh, I feel like I just made an HR violation. Funnel cakes <laughs> when I dipped something. <laughs> I, said, I said dip a strawberry in a butt crack and one of my female coworkers heard it. I think she chose to ignore it. Good. I don't think the right players are here today. I, so I was eating something and dipped it in something. This is how bad my memory is. You, yeah, you make what, fun of me. What? Yes. Cheese curds and yes. caramel? What? There you go. Which one, there of the, you go. which one of the pregnant ladies came up with that? Uh, that was, uh, I think, Ashley maybe. One of the pregnant it. ladies. But it was cheese, yes, a cheese ball, cheese curd. Yeah. And they said dip it in a caramel. What? And I'm like, I've never heard no. of this, dude. Dipped it in, took a bite. Really good. I would describe it. The, the taste was most like funnel cake. I, there, I, and I, there, Mark, there are a lot of things like this where people will suggest it to me and I will never, ever try it. And almost everybody that does says, actually, this was really good. One, yeah. The one that happened on TikTok last summer. And again, I apologize if one of the, because we have like 14 pregnant ladies in the office right now. There's a lot of them. Yeah. If I say this and it makes one of you puke, I'm sorry. Yeah. But apparently, a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago on TikTok, they were taking a ket or a pickle jar, okay. and you would open the pickle jar and then dump in a ranch dressing packet. Now, I don't mean like an actual ranch dressing, like the powder powder that okay. you that you sure, mix they in make into, into ranch. Yeah, right, right. Okay, yeah. And then you close the jar back up and you let it sit. Okay, you let that ranch powder soak in to all the different pickles and people said that was amazing now again i think pickles some people find pickles gross some people find ranch gross that combination sounds disgusting to me i would be willing to try that because i like both products there's always things when people like are like oh with french fries have you ever dipped them like in mayonnaise or have you ever dipped french yeah. fries in? i i am i'm a pretty adventurous eater and i'm i'm willing to try things with about as fancy I get with ketchup or with uh, with with French fries is I'll take ketchup and put a couple dabs of mustard Ooh. on top of the ketchup and mix it up. Make when my you own, want to blow your hair back, make a my bit. own little Heinz fifty seven. Yeah. I call it the Heinz two. Yep, yep. That's uh. Now I'm hungry. I haven't had lunch. Um, no. So yeah. So listeners, Ross, cheese curds, caramel, wild. Give it a whirl. Never would have thought of it. Give okay. it a whirl. All right. All right. We need, I'm in the mood to hear the greatest story. I've got the best story you've ever heard. <laughs> uh, you've ever told me. Th this is, I, I mean, I, I stumbled into this one several years ago. Um, and we have referenced this podcast a couple of times, but Mike Rowe has a really good podcast called The, the Way I Heard It. Yep. And several of, the several of these that I will bring to you, are from that series. Just because to be clear, you're refurbishing. 
You're not copying. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, not uh, yeah. Well, all of these stories are stuff. I mean, I'm not stealing any of this. This is stuff. a refurbishment. I'm I'm telling you this story because it's, it's they're, they're stories I've heard somewhere sure. in my lifetime that I think are just fantastic. They're not stories. your stories, not, Ross. Well, we might have a couple that are my stories. What okay. was the one? Oh, spider. Spider. I'll tell you a spider story. Yeah. Um, this is one of them that. When you I, I, you'll remember this one forever, yeah. Because you you know this character and you know the the characters in the story. I think I know where you're going with it. Where am I'm, I going? Where am I going? I don't. Well, I don't want to say. I think I've. Do you want me to do you want me to teased, write it down and put I've it on a piece of paper? This, no, no, nobody can see that. Nobody can see that. But it, but whisper softly to that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just gonna let you go. That's it. Uh, this story starts in Alaska in uh, uh, in the 1960s, late 60s when. This kid is born and born into a pretty rough family. And in the 1970s, growing up in Alaska, he's got a pretty rough life. Dad is gone from the home. Mom is a very artistic lady. And I mean, even artistic genius in some ways, according to the sons. But it's a rough life. And they are there. She's a pill pop and alcoholic. And it's a tough, tough existence for their kids. And they get to be very independent, all, all the, the kids in this family. Um, Jason gets to be a little bit crazy. All right. He is kind of finds himself in a rough crowd in high school. He gets in trouble with a couple of buddies. They, they blew up a toilet in the school with an M80 and, uh, he ends up going to the school counselor. He gets assigned to go to the school counselor has to. And while he is in the office of the school counselor, sees a guitar picks up the guitar, and kind of has an, a natural knack as a teenager, like we've seen from time to time with people. And the counselor says, hey, I'm a musician. Maybe this is something that you can use as an escape from this troublesome behavior. So they, he picks up the guitar, starts helping him out, and the kid can actually play. Now, at this time, uh, he ends up moving, at get, getting out of high school. He's a really good guitar player, playing in a couple bands, ends up in just exactly the right time about the mid 80s uh he's 18 19 years old and he's in seattle mid 80s he can play guitar he's a kick-ass rock and roll kid you go you get where i'm going here mm -hmm. the grunge scene is exploding and uh jason hooks up with a good group of dudes and he's got some cash and they want to decide they want to get an album and so he puts $600 down to rent a studio so he and his buddies can record an album. And they record the album, and it's fantastic, but he's too rock and roll for the band. He's too much. He's he's partying all the time. Um, he's into drugs. He's in, And these guys are druggies, and these guys are partiers, but he's too much for them, so they kick him out of the band. Now, they gave him a writing credit in the, on the, uh, in the album, the cover of that album has a picture of him in the band. So they didn't cut him out by any stretch. They loved the fact that he'd given them the $600, but he was out of that band, which went on to become one of the greatest selling bands of all time. Hmm. So while he is putting the pieces of his life together, while his buddies are, are, are flying crazy, a couple other bands come around and sign him. And it's the same story Pete and repeat, Pete and repeat, right? He's too much. He gets kicked out of the band. He's an amazing musician, and everybody sees that talent, but nobody wants him around because he's just crazy. Ends up in another band that turns out to be amazing, outselling the previous band 
And again, he got kicked out just as the band was taken off. So he decides at some point he's, I mean, a lot like you're, you're talking about there, somebody's got to get a hold of this person, this spirit, mm-hmm. and wrangle it, right? Lucky for him, he decides that he is going to join the military, okay? Now, I think that the military can do a lot of wonderful things for a lot of wonderful people. I don't think it did anything more for anybody more important than Jason Everman, the kid we're talking about here. Because those two bands were Nirvana and Soundgarden. He got kicked out of Nirvana and Soundgarden. And he ended up having a cooler life Hmm. than he would have if he ended up sticking in either one of those bands. He joins the military. He goes into the army where, frankly, I mean, he's he's famous, famous at this point in rock and roll circles. But he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be that guy anymore. And trying to hide in the military seemed like a, a pretty good idea, and it worked for a long time until one of his uh, uh, commanding officers in boot camp recognized him from a magazine and came over and said, you're this dude, aren't you? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I am. But he stayed focused, and he becomes an absolute badass in the military, man. Goes from the 2nd Rangers Battalion. He's an Army Ranger. He ends up becoming a Green Beret. Uh, He is part of a special services group that travels to Tibet and works to study with uh, with Buddhist missionaries. He has uh, received an honorable discharge from the military back in 2006 after multiple tours in several different war zones because he was in the military— in the mid-90s through 9-11 into 2006 as a special forces uh, uh, unit member. Um, the guy is incredible, man. The, the stories that they can tell about Jason Everman, I, I, I've said with a couple of these stories, I've told you they could make a movie. Most of these stories, they could make a movie yeah. about him. Some of them, there are movies about him. There's not a movie that I know about Jason Everman. There absolutely should be about no. what this guy did to become an, an American badass like what a story when you're when you're a little boy there are about five things that you want to be an athlete rock star a, f- a fireman a rock star yep a military hero yep uh, there you know you put a couple of things on that list of what i'd really like to be this dude checked off to two of the biggest you, ones you gotta wonder too like what are the odds of being in one successful band let, let alone two i mean after you become famous i think it's probably easier to do that because you got like a i think about like a slash uh from guns and roses and then i think he was wasn't he in velvet revolver for a while he was in uh soundgarden he was in nirvana he was in a band called mind funk he was in a band called old and a band called silence and light that's actually the, the the latest album he was just in a band that released an album in 2019 called silence and light so uh, amazing dude, man. This is, again, when you pull up his awards and accommodations and decorations from the military, it's it's really incredible. That was not, by the way, who I thought you were going to be talking about. Who did you think I was going to talk about? Well, you might still use that story. But well, who did you think I was going to talk about? Another another uh, rock band story about the origins that Mike Rowe has touched on. Oh, we will get to that one at some point down the road. That's a good one. Yep, that is a really good one. That is so that one came up um yeah, and we can we can touch on it real quickly. That one came up the other day when my producer on my show asked me about um 
uh, a small town girl. No, 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 no. Ask me about something called an industry plant. Okay. Something, somebody, or something that the industry puts together to put out onto the uh, uh, onto the scene. For okay. instance, the okay. monkeys are the best example that one of our listeners came up with. Okay. The monkeys actually had very little to no musical ability. It was all an act put together for the TV show. Put together for a TV show and then released out to the public. And yeah. I mean, in a way, a lot of boy bands are this way. Those kids can actually sing and dance, but no, they're, I they're mean, in, literally making the band. That were right, shows exactly, right, right. Specifically about, and that. he was asking about industry plants, and I almost shared the story of uh, that you're talking about there because that's a, a fascinating one. There's a cliffhanger for people out there but today the best story you're ever going to hear is jason everman and i'll have to google that american i've done i've done a little googling after most of your stories an american rock star because i wanted to uh i'm still waiting for the movie to get made about uh the st louis olympics that one was that was nuts the marathon where people were basically almost (laughs) that's great that was that was nuts. there are so many stories out there like this man that's crazy Uh, what uh, uh, uh uh, before, by the way, we're pressing an hour here, and yeah, you got to get gotta, going. You're gotta, checking out that watch that you now wear. I turned you into watch wear. I've, I've made so many changes in your life. Yeah, you know, watch wearing is one of them. Yeah. Man jewelry, as I call it. Uh, Being mean to people in meetings. Absolutely. I want to get. I want to get you on record. Uh, we are about. Uh, I don't know what time it is. Uh, approaching one o'clock. Uh, we're about eight hours away from tip off for the Iowa State Cyclones. I want to get your take. Not that it's going to be good. Because you, like me, thought Gonzaga was going to win yesterday, and that was not true. So I missed two of the four games yesterday. Yeah, so what is your, uh, what's your take tonight? What's your uh, final score prediction? All right, final score. Uh, Iowa State wins tonight. They make it really ugly. They beat up on Miami. Miami doesn't know what to do with that. They get super flustered. Uh, and Iowa State holds them under 65 final score is 67 63 cyclones so i do not know what the over under is but i'm that's an under it's got to be i don't know what the over under is i, I bet we're real close to that i bet we're real close to that i'll pull it up real quick here why why what do you think it is why what do you why 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 what do you think happens uh game in the 70s okay game in the 70s i think iowa state you're right i think they can dirty it up a little bit um, I was thinking more like a Iowa State 75, 71. By the way, over, close, to, close to the end. By the way, over, under, what did I say? I said 60, 67, 63, something like that. That's yeah. what I said. Yeah. You were in the 60s. Yeah. Over, under is 131. Oh, wow. A lot lower than I thought. 131 and a half. So I would have the under on that. And by the way, the vague, I had, dude. I should do this for a living. You should. I should talk about sports for a living. Screw this the real estate thing. The line is three, and I had it as a four-point game. Yeah. And the over-under is 131 and a half, and I had it at 131. Just over. Just over. No, just under. Oh, just under. Just under. Okay. So I and I would and I that is where I would place my bets. So if you I had some, say, if you had some clams to lay down, you would be on the under. Yeah, and I don't. I, I occasionally I put a barely. couple of dollars on games if I'm with some buddies. Yeah, uh, but not usually. So I would put, I would do Iowa State because I think that they win the game, but they're also getting three points now. Yeah. And then I would also do the under because that's how Iowa State wins the game. I was going to ask you up. which of the eight sports books that you endorse on your show would you actually place that bet with? Um, the so <laughs> eight sports books. And the I, reason I say that is because if one of those sports books ever wants to send us money, you'll be our loan mistress. 
You know, you know, it's not your fault that you have to shill for everybody at the radio yeah. station. We just want to shill for one. Just we got a call, message the other day. Somebody wanted to sponsor us, the podcast. Call, you see that? Call us up. Did you see that? We got a we got a message on that somebody wanted to sponsor the podcast. Anyway, whatever that was about. Yeah. If I the only one that I have um, any money in to do this, yeah. is DraftKings. Okay. Now I have the Circa Sports app. I have the Bet Rivers app. And the reason that I have both, and I just looked at the line on the Bet Rivers app. The reason that I have both of those is to just kind of look at the different lines. Sure. So smart. As smart. I'm talking about it, but again, I'm not betting on it. But them. only smart if you actually have all of those funded to be able to actually bet. Yeah. Well, the only, and again, I'm not using it to bet. I'm only using it for the information yeah. for when I go what, to do my radio what is, show. What's your current record before we get out of here? What's your current record for the most money? Because you're not a gambler. You like to dabble a little bit now. And I don't blame you because that's all we ever talk about in life anymore. Uh, your record for the most wagered on one bet. Um, Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Touchdowns 1.5. Okay. Walked into my buddy's house to watch the game. And a friend of mine, one of my only friends who would ever bet like you and your friends. Mm-hmm. Told me he, uh, we he. I walked in again, feeling the energy of the room. Something's going on here. What's happening? We're about ten minutes from kickoff, and he says, "I just put a lot of money on a bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is going to throw two touchdowns in this game against was who were they, was that the game against the, was the playoffs or yeah, regular season? Yep, yep, and I think it was the conference championship game. Okay, right? Was that against um, someone on the road? Tennessee. I don't remember whoever it was. It might have been Tennessee. I don't, it, it, so he had a and he said told us how much he put on okay. it and it was a lot of money. Okay. So I thought, you know what, we're all going to be rooting for this. We're all going to be sitting here on pins and needles, hoping that our yeah. buddy wins a lot of money and doesn't lose a lot of money. Yeah. And I hate that feeling, so I'm mm-hmm. just gonna. And so I put fifty dollars on the same bet. Yeah. And it hit. And, and how how early in the game did it hit? He, he threw the first touchdown in the first half and the second one early in the second half, if I remember right. Or maybe it was the end of the third quarter. That's, that's nice. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. It was a fun day. It's fun, the equivalent yeah. of a good feeling when you can bet on overs for but like that uh, is, three pointers that in a is, game. I, I think that's probably 10 times the amount of money I'd ever spent on a bet because normally I'd do $5. Yeah. And the only time I really do that is when I'm sitting around with buddies like that and they say, so hey, we're When you hit this. that $50 bet... Uh, I assume you collected about 45 on that. Uh, did you feel it down in your pills? I uh, don't remember where I felt it. I remember. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. Plums. That's where it was. It was, was it the plums. That? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the reminder. All right. All right. Iowa State wins tonight. Bet the under, according to Ross. It's free money, basically, is what he's saying. <laughs> and uh, we wish you luck. We'll see you next week.